Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Come on, side, 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 side. Hello, hello, hello. What up, y'all? It's Ed Love. It's time for another Come On, Son, the podcast overseen by the greatest podcast of all, Combat Jack. Shout out to Premium Pete. Shout out to Loudspeakers Network. Shout out to A-King. Shout out to Krista, who holds me down every single week. And shout out to you, the listener. Shout out to y'all for saying shit, Ed. You gave me part one of the Tupac stretch story. Where's part two, black, tall, skinny motherfucker? Well, here's part two right now, the day before my birthday. I want to shout out my moms before I get into this whole Tupac thing. I want to shout out my pops. I want to say rest in peace to Lenny Carrot. Lenny Sinclair Carrot is a man that I grew up with on my block, 209th Street, 113th Avenue in Queens, my best friend, Kurt Carriage's father. And when my dad died when I was around 18 years old, Lenny stepped in as a man that I knew I could always depend on, a, a, a man that I knew I could always go down to his house for advice, which I did on several occasions, a man that steered me in the right direction, a man that was very instrumental in my development as a man. And now that I'm getting older and I'm going into another phase of my life. I think back at all the lessons I learned from Lenny Carrot. And I just want to say rest in eternal peace to Mr. Lenny Sinclair Carrot, who managed to stay married to his wife for 61 years. Isn't that beautiful? I had two great boys, Brian and my best friend, Kurt. So I just want to send my condolences out to the Carrot family, to all of Lenny's family and cousins and nieces and nephews and to his grandchildren, just a lot of love. And you guys got one, especially the boys, you got one hell of a uh, a man to look up to you had. And God, man, I, I wouldn't want to be you because you got, you got a standard to live up to. And the standard is crazy. And Lenny was 88 years old when he passed away. 88 years old. Think about that. That's a long life. And when we start thinking about somebody, you think about their level of maturity and how they grew from being a kid, you know, to meeting his wife, Joan, and being married for 61 years, from retiring as a captain of corrections on Rikers Island, for everything that Lenny did in raising his family. And he started out as a really young man, and, and he was born in 1930 and died in 2019 and was married for 61 of his 88 years. Married for 61 
Think about how you change and mature. And that's one thing that I wanted to add as I go right now into this part two of Tupac and Stretch. When we left off, I told y'all, did they have discrepancies? Did they, towards the end of Tupac's life, were they, did they have a beef? Yeah, absolutely have a, had a beef. But I make that point to say Tupac was so young when he passed that we don't know what would became of him. We don't know what kind of person as a grown man he would have turned out to be. He didn't even live to his 30s. He didn't even live to his 40s, 50s, much less 88. You know what I mean? You don't know. So when him and Stretch really got into the beef because Pac felt that, one, Stretch to the did more when they got back down in the studio. I disagree with that. Stretch did an interview where he was like, a motherfucker getting shot is getting shot. Okay, Freddie Nichols was there. Freddie was a young gun. Freddie got shot in the stomach. Nobody wants to be shot. I don't, there's not a lot of people out there, y'all, that are super motherfuckers, if you know what I mean. Like, maybe a year ago, maybe a little more than a year, I'm not sure. There was a guy who went into a Waffle House and decided he was going to shoot up the Waffle House and he was disarmed by a black man. Everybody lauded and applauded this black man for saving so many people's lives. The dude said, I was trying to save my life. I was like, you're not going to kill me today. So when I saw that he was trying to reload the gun, that's when I made my move and ran it, hit the bus through the door and hit the door with him and the, hit him with the door, excuse me, and the gun flew out of his hand. Well, a motherfucker starts shooting and guns come out, your first thought is self-preservation. There's not a lot of people that's going to jump up and try to wrestle a gun from a... It is more than one guy that got his gun out. I, I don't know, y'all. I know me, I'm not doing that. And I was way taller than Tupac. And Stretch was taller than me. So whatever your opinion is of what you thought he should have did, he wasn't Tupac's security. He was his friend. I was rolling with him. And when them guns come out, it's a whole different story. I don't know if y'all have ever been held at gunpoint before. I have. I've been robbed, held at gunpoint. When them guns come out, what you think you're going to do when you just talking, yeah, I wish, I wish they would pull some guns on me. I wish a nigga would. And the actual gun is in your face? Totally two different things. So when Pac went on his, his rant, and said, Stretch is bigger than all of us and everybody. Why Stretch didn't take the gun from the guy? Because there was more than one person that had a gun. It's number one. And number two, Stretch ain't want to get shot. He ended up getting shot and killed. You know, a year to the, to the day of the robbery, so-called robbery, in the studios in Manhattan. So did they have a discrepancy? Yeah, because Pac felt like, Cats wasn't holding him down when he was locked up. Cats wasn't coming up there to see him. But if you listen to the Info Minds uh, interview with Stretch's brother Madge, you'll see that E Money Bags, God rest his soul, and them did go up to the to the jail to visit Pac and did make sure Pac had money and did make sure that Pac was getting weed while he was locked up. The reason why Stretch never came up there is because he had no ID. I used to roll with Stretch in his, in his MPV. He didn't have a driver's license. He didn't have a passport. 
He didn't have anything, y'all. So was there a discrepancy between them two? Yeah. Did they both die be- without resolving their discrepancy? Yeah, Stretch died first. Stretch died in 95, Pac 96, Biggie 97. Three years in a row of, of tragedy, as far as I'm concerned, personal tragedy with three people that I love dearly. Pac and Stretch I knew better than I knew Big. I would see Big from time to time, and there was other certain things that would go along with that. You know, Big was more of an associate. We did a record together. You know, he jumped on on the uh, Back Up Off Me album on a song called Who's the Man, produced by Mark the 45 King. It's uh, King Just, myself rhyming on there, Todd Warren, and Biggie. So I appreciated that. And Big was my man. I used to see him. When I used to go out with Lee Lee from SWV, yeah, uh, me and Lee Lee from SWV were an item. I um, Sometimes when she was out on tour, if I'd be at her crib, Big lived in the same complex. So Big, I would see Big sometime pass her through, or maybe I'd be at the mailbox. And uh, I remember one time I was at the mailbox picking up mail from Lee Lee, bringing the mail back into the crib. And somebody rolled up on me. And uh, I heard, all I heard was, Aggie so wicked on the Uzaha. I turned around and said, Big, little sucker for love ass nigga picking up her mail. Because they lived in the same complex. So Big was my guy like that. But Stretch and Pac, I was around them more than I was around Big. Because like I said in the previous podcast, Pac used to come around the way a lot and hang out or we meet up with him in whatever hotel he was staying in the city and run around, but he's been in our neighborhood a whole lot. You know, in the Ave, the, you know, you've seen the pictures. Maybe you haven't. I'll need to repost it on my gram at Ed Lover of Us. You know, maybe at Jack the Rapper in Atlanta, maybe on the Avenue in Queens, just taking pictures, just hanging out, doing things. Different phases of his life he went through. You know, one of the problems that I had with the movie that they did on Tupac is they didn't even mention the fact that he had gotten married. They act like there was only a few women in Tupac's life. Just a few. Whatever the girl, whoever the girl was that ended up getting him arrested for the sexual assault, the, um, he, you know, when he was messing with Quincy Jones's daughter and Jada Pinkett. That, that was not the truth at all. How do you jump over the fact that this man was married? How do you delete that entire phase of his life? How do you delete some of the more important stuff that had, that he had? He, to me, Pac had different phases of his life. He had his DU phase. Then he had his Juice, New York, Stretch, Madge, Young Guns, all of them. All of that is family phase with his moms and all of that. And then he had his death row phase. And I felt like the movie concentrated too much on his death row phase than every phase and aspect of his life. He, you know, this dude was married. Nobody even said nothing like that about it in the movie. You know how they did the uh, they did the movie on New Edition? And the New Edition story was so deep and there's so many facets of the story that they had to do it as a miniseries. I always felt that Tupac was such a complex person that his life story should have been a miniseries. 
maybe four parts, like a four-hour miniseries put out somewhere where maybe BT, I don't know. I don't care what channel it was. Showtime, something that somebody should have did because he was too, it was too much. He was too complex. You know, towards the end of his life, he even had a problem with Dre. It was well documented. It wasn't just Stretch and, you know, it wasn't just Nas and it just wasn't Mob Deep. He was going at Dre. Dr. Dre, who produced California Love, which was supposed to be Dre's song, and then they put Pac on it. He had a problem with Dre. You know? He had a problem with a lot of people. But he was a youngin'. Like I told y'all, tomorrow's my birthday. If I think about who I had a problem with when I was 25, 26, it's different. And and I'm quite sure that he would have been a total different person. But I can tell you one thing, that before before he went to death row and before he got killed, Tupac and Stretch was tight. Super tight, ultra tight, and I will vouch for each and each one of those dudes. But the truth is the truth, and just as a person listening to this podcast, you have to understand and realize that as much as we all loved Tupac, as much as we love what Tupac stood for for Black people, as much as we loved the music that Tupac made. One, he died way too early for us to even get to see what kind of man that he would have been. And two, Pac was a human being, and he made mistakes. And I've made mistakes, and you've made mistakes, and Biggie made mistakes. But to take something which is a snapshot of a person's life, a snapshot, something that somebody might have said in anger, and to run with it all of this time, to me, that's a problem. It's like, it's almost as like, you know, and, and the thing about, let me let me state this before where I tell you what it's almost like. The guy who's in jail that, that wrote this stuff, that's saying that stretch, had Pac set up in a quad studio shooting, it angers me because it's unfair because he's not here to defend himself. It's easy to chuck dirt on a coffin. Stretch is dead. Tupac is dead. I know a lot of stuff about Tupac. A lot of stuff. I was privy to a lot of things being around Tupac. That's like me sitting here on this podcast right now and saying, yeah, well, Y'all know Tupac was bisexual, right? No, he wasn't. Not at all. But it's as if I said it and he's not here to defend himself. That's not fair. You could throw dirt on anybody if they're not there to defend themselves when you're trying, when you have an ulterior motive. You know, a lot of people now, y'all, you know, the terminology is out, the receipts. So I got the receipts. Like, you know, some chick would say, yo, he was trying to fuck me and he's supposed to be married and all of that stuff. And you'd be like, I got the receipts and they will post text messages or DMS or whatever. This dude is throwing dirt, sullying Randy stretches, Walker's name 
and he's putting it out there. And immediately, because a lot of people know that I was really close with Stretch, they came to me. Your man's a snitch. Your man tried to set Pac up. He has no receipts. He has no tape phone calls. He has no two ways between them. No, we didn't even have cell phones. So where was this communication coming from? We had no cell phones. He has no phone records. Nobody taped the phone call between Jimmy and Stretch. Yeah, bring him here to the studio this time. We got it all set up. You have no receipts. Plus, the man is gone, and he can't even defend himself. So you're going on something, and you're taking it for gospel with somebody who's trying to sell a product is saying. That's sensationalism. It's like the Star Magazine, or one of them bullshit papers you see by the checkout in the grocery when you're getting ready to, when you get ready to leave, and you get ready, to, you know. You're more likely to pick that magazine up. You know, Elvis found alive. You know, how many of those pictures have we seen floating around the internet? Tupac is alive, but they found some dude that resembles Tupac and said, "Yeah, Pac is alive and well and living in Cuba and all of this." And he faked his own death to get away from Suge Knight and blah, 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 this and blah, 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 that. That stuff is going to go on until the end of time. You know, we have proof that Tupac had a love child. He's not here to defend himself. We have absolute proof that Tupac was bisexual. No, but he's not here to defend himself. And his mother's not even here to defend him. So the only people here that can defend Stretch is those of us that loved him and knew him. And if I know anything about this man who will bust his gun in a heartbeat, is that A, he had no reason to set Tupac up, B, he loved Tupac with every bone in his body, and C, the entire story is bullshit. People go their separate ways. And sometimes they come back together and sometimes they don't. People have disagreements. Sometimes they settle their disagreements. Sometimes they don't. But I know there's a young lady out there named Manisha, Manisha Walker, who stretches daughter. And I know Tupac is her godfather. And I know I'm her godfather. And I know when shit went down, he didn't go in and say, yo, I'm taking the fuck out of here. Pac ain't going to be my daughter's godfather no more. No. He loved that dude. He loved that dude. Those dudes were two peas in a pod. You see one, you see the other one. Pac was part of the young guns before he got down with death row. He was a young gun. So if you missed the first podcast, you need to go back and listen to it because I was telling you in the first podcast that it was about to go down in New York City based on the fact that it was Pac and based on the fact that it was Stretch based on the fact that it was Freddie Nichols that got shot. Everybody in New York City knew who the fucking Young Guns were from Queens, not the Mount Vernon Young Guns, the Queens Young Guns, including Supreme, including Haitian Jack. They knew these little young niggas was wild. They, they grown men now. They wasn't no grown men when I was running around with them. They, was, they were not grown men. They did a lot of shit that there's no statute of limitations on, so I can't talk about it. But being fuckboys and pussy-ass niggas, they weren't. 
Stretch was never that. Never that. Y'all feel like because people write on Instagram and make videos and post them to YouTube that, you know, sometimes they get burnt by somebody that, that was close to them. Sometimes somebody, they say your enemies, are, you know, your biggest hater is the one that's standing right next to you. Sometimes the person that loves you the most is also the one that's standing right next to you. As I stated before, think about what year this was. This is way before All Eyes on Me. This is way before Pac started getting into some real dough. Way before. At the time, I had way more money than Tupac had. Way more money. I had better car than him. Pac didn't even have a car. He didn't even really rent a car when he came to New York. Sometimes he was impressed by what Jack and them had, and I had more than they had. I'm pushing benzos. 92, 93, 94, 95. Brand new benz, 100,000 off the showroom floor. I'm pushing the big dogs. They ride, they ride in my car. They stashing guns in my trunk. Pac ain't had no bread like that. He didn't get no bread really till he got with Sugar and them. After he got bailed out of jail, he started getting some bread. He, he didn't get a, a whole lot of bread like that. He didn't. I know what Pac made from doing the movie Juice. He didn't even make 20000 from that role as Bishop. Omar Epps is my man. Him and Omar, all of them got paid the same thing. A little over ten grand. They had no bread like that. Me and Dre did Who's the Man came out in 93. Dre and I, at that time, were the highest paid first-time actors in the movie. Me and Dre got paid on who's the man. Pay. Pac didn't have no money like that. So Stretch setting Pac up for what? Not for no drugs, because he was a drug dealer until he started, got, seriously got into rapping. He still had his connects on the street. He had to get, what it was Jimmy was going to get him that he couldn't get for himself. Niggas sold crack. They, them connects didn't die. They knew where, if they really was into back into selling drugs, which at that time he had left it alone to pursue music. You wouldn't have to go to Jimmy Henchman to get no drugs. So that angle is fucking bullshit. And where was the communication coming from? Listen to the InfoMinds joint that match put out because they was doing what Pac wanted to do. They were freestyling. I was doing your TV raps. I was doing this. I was doing, I had more of a schedule. They could find out where I was because I was more on the schedule than when Pac hit New York or when they was in Cali or when they went to Oakland or when they was in L.A. When Live Squad was coming out and we did the party in L.A. When Dre beat up D from Pump It Up was at No Faces Party in L.A. Whole nother story. I'll get into that on another podcast. But this is before Pac was with Death Row. This is before that. He was up here, up top in New York, often, and a lot. A lot. Cats did not move on Pac because Pac was with the fucking young guns. Cats knew that. I think a lot of cats didn't move on me in New York because they knew who my motherfucking crew was. Live Squad, Young Guns. They knew who these little young, wild, 
niggas was. They grown men now, thank God they grew out of it. They became fathers with families and stuff like that. They still do their music thing. Madge is still holding the Loud Squad name, Thuggadons, all of that. He's still holding it down. But they knew who they was, and they was they knew who Stretch was. Niggas in New York that was in the streets knew who Stretch from Queens was. There's no doubt about it. And they knew that they was not to be fucked with. Why, why wouldn't he set me up? I had Rolexes. I had the cars. I had bread. Why he didn't do it to me? I had more bread than, than Tupac had and more jewelry. When Stretch died, that big-ass Gucci link chain, big-ass Gucci, I mean major Gucci links. That was my chain. And I used to loan it to him so much that when he died, I was just like, you know what? You know, his baby mom's, Manessa called me and said, hey, what do you want me to do with your chain? I said, let, let it lay on him when he's in the casket. Let him, let him be buried with it. He loved that fucking chain. Let him be buried with it. I had other jewelry. I had the Young TV Rats piece, the bubble, with diamonds in the MTV. If you're going to set somebody up for a robbery, why not me? I had more money. He was next to me all the fucking time. If you're trying to get paid to set somebody up for a robbery, why wouldn't you set me up? Them niggas could have hit me anytime I was going to do Young TV Rats. Why, why Tupac? Y'all don't understand or listening to these lies what it was like in 94, where we was at in 94, where Tupac was financially in 94. There was no benefit to turning on your friend. There was nothing that he could benefit from it. We had e-money bags who were still in the streets. Why do we need to go if, if, if that was something that he wanted to do? I wasn't drug dealing. I was on MTV and shit. But if that was something that he needed to do, why do you? Why the fuck would we have to go to a Brooklyn nigga to get it? Niggas in Queens been getting money. Prem and them, Fat Cat, Callie and them, Ben me and them, Tommy Mickens and them. Been getting money. Why do we have to? Why would he have to go to a Brooklyn nigga to get money? He used to laugh at Queens niggas. Oh, y'all in the two-fair zone. You got to take the bus to the train to get out there where y'all live, blah, 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 until they find out niggas was getting money in Queens. Stretching them was getting money in Queens. I don't even know who they connect was, but they was getting money in Queens. Ja Rule was in them was out there. Ja was out there on Hempstead in Springfield getting money. Why in God's name would we have to ever code to somebody in Brooklyn to get, wasn't like he was buying five keys and Jimmy had it for cheap. Oh, you set Tupac up for Jack. And then I'm going to give you these five keys for cheap. He wasn't even selling drugs no more. He wasn't selling drugs. These niggas went, their love of music was so, so, so immense that they left drug dealing alone where they was getting money to hustle beats. They was hustling beats like they hustled crack. They was producing for other people. They was doing tracks for Tupac. Why are you going to bite the hand that feeds you? What fucking sense does that make? For an eight ball or, 
of, of Coke that you could get anywhere. We knew niggas up in the Heights if we wanted an eight ball of Coke, niggas were fronted. In Washington Heights, New York, Dominican niggas up there would front you if you knew who you knew. I'm not going to yell no names out. We don't fucking snitch. You knew who you knew, you can get it. If I want it now, I can get it. Right now. What reason, what logical reason for anybody out there that's doubting what I'm saying to you right now? Tell me a logical reason why. For a robbery, when we knew other niggas that had way more money than Tupac? Come on, B. This shit even sounds ridiculous. What's the logical reasoning behind it? Because Stretch certainly didn't die with no money. Still driving an MPV. What's the logical reasoning behind that? Oh, and then the other bullshit. Uh, dude sent some dude from California to kill Stretch because of the setup of Tupac in the quad studio. Stretch got killed on some Queens beef, yo. He was killed on some Queens beef. We don't snitch, so we ain't going to say who. We know who. Niggas got handled behind it, and it was some Queens beef. It had nothing to do with what happened. In the quad studio. It just so happened that he got killed a year to the day of the quad shooting. That was some whole different shit. Stop believing from all of these things that anybody says, man. And motherfuckers came at me strong to the point where I was blocking people. And I was I found myself getting into arguments with people behind it on social media. And then I just stopped. I said, you know what? They won there. A lot of people that was coming at me about this weren't even born in 94, or they were three or four years old. They learned about Tupac through his music, didn't know dude personally at all. Just going by with the last couple of things that Pac said when he spit out when he was angry. And they just just take that shit and roll with it. You know? But like I told you before, and I'm going to keep saying this, one thing you got to realize, Pac is not Jesus Christ, nor was he God. He was a man that made mistakes. He made mistakes. Everybody made mistakes. Randy Stretch Walker made mistakes. But one mistake he didn't make, he didn't have no Tupac set up in the quad studios. It's bullshit. That's bullshit. That was Jack, and that was Jimmy. And that's who it was. This dude talking sideways about some shit. He he don't even know nothing about it, man. He don't even know nothing about it. You know? And it causes a whirlwind of feelings, old anger and old feelings. It just stirs up a lot of emotion that don't need to be stirred up. What we need to be thinking about and hoping for is redemption for everybody through the eyes of our God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For everybody that made that makes mistakes, God loves you so much that he forgives every time you make a mistake. And that's the beautiful part of it, that you can make mistakes in life and then you grow and you learn. If you don't learn and grow from your mistakes, then you'll remain stagnant for the rest of your entire life. And nobody wants to be stagnant. That's for sure. 
It was funny. I seen a dude, um, like I told y'all earlier in this podcast, my best friend lost his dad, so I was up in New York for the funeral. So we go to breakfast, and there sitting at a table is uh, one of my friends from Hollis, Queens, named Kenny Bang. When we was kids, Kenny used to terrorize the neighborhood. Everybody knew Kenny Bang. He wasn't called Kenny Bang. He didn't get banged for no reason. And I see him sitting there, man, and I'm talking to him, and we reminiscing over all time, old times and of all the times that we spent together. But reminiscing, he's such calm, collected. He's in his 50s now. We went to junior high school together or middle school, as some people call it. And just to watch his transformation from being a wild boy to where he is now as a grown man, I can say I was very, very proud of him. I never got to see that with Pac. I never got to see Pac's transformation. I never got to see Stretch's transformation. He was 28 when he died. I never got to see Biggie's transformation. What they would have been like in their 40s. Who would they have been as men right now? Would they have put let bygones be bygones and put their past in the past and realize by this time, 20-some-odd years later, where that whole shit came from and how that shit divided them and how it affected both, both coasts. And how, just off, he said, she said, and rumors and innuendos, we lost two of the greatest MCs that ever graced the microphone in hip-hop. Who would they be right now? Would Biggie have fulfilled his dream of managing Puff, putting a commission together with Jay-Z and Charlie Baltimore, helping unrun Undeus Entertainment, expanding into his clothing line? being as big as bigger than Jay-Z or having his own label with C's and Kim and all of that? Would C's and Kim even be fucking with each other if Biggie was alive? Would the whole shit that sent D-Rock and them to prison outside of Hot 97 in New York with the shooting, would that have even occurred if Biggie was alive? How about Tupac? Would he have done Thug Life records through Jimmy Iovine? Would he be on the front Lines of the everything that has to do with the police shooting young black men in America. What kind of 40-something-year-old man would Tupac have been? Would he have kept been making records? Would he have been just doing movies? He had the natural knack. He's one of the greatest natural actors I've ever seen in my life, especially for somebody who just went to high school for a little while for performing arts. He was a hell of a poet. He was natural. How would music be? Well, we have the trap era that we have. If them two would have still been around making music. What would have happened? Would Death Row still be bubbling? Would Bad Boy be bubbling as hard as, as, hard as ever? We'll never know. Because losing them two had a lot of effect on the music world and the world in general. Losing them three, I should say. Because although Stretch did not become as famous as Biggie or Tupac, he still had a major impact on a lot of successful records out there. Would another label have picked up the Live Squad? We don't know. Because he cut that head and the body just fell. We don't know. Squad broke up. After Stretch died, 
We don't know. What would have happened with the outlaws? Would he assign more people to Thug Life Records? He was going to sign Live Squad to Thug Life Records. What happened with Big and, and everything that Big wanted to do? More stuff with Charlie Baltimore, maybe. More stuff with Kim, maybe. You know? You know, would the best of both worlds ever existed? You know, I hate to talk about R. Kelly. He's such a creep. But would Biggie have done the best of both worlds with R. Kelly instead of Jay-Z? Would Jay-Z have been as big as he managed to be? He's a dope MC. But at that time, Biggie was a lot bigger than Jay-Z. Remember, Jay-Z didn't drop Reasonable Doubt until 96. His first album that he said we all lamed out on came out in 1996. 96. Big died in 97. Big died before he can even shoot more videos off the Life After Death album, which he had. Joints, remember when they did the video for Sky's the Limit, they used the little kid instead of Big. Pac, all eyes on me. How many more videos could Pac have done? Where is there room? Where is there, is there room for X, DMX? Is there room for Ja Rule? Remember when the can of get a video, Ja Rule had the bandana tied around his head like Pac. Would he squash all beefs or would the beefs continue? We never know. So you can't make up shit because you don't know. You can't lie about shit because you don't know what would have happened. Did they have beef? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't beef, beef enough to where they was going to the guns at each other. When they saw each other, wasn't that kind of beef. I just really believe in my heart, and I know in my heart that them two guys really, really loved each other. And I really believe, especially Pac and Stretch, that they would have came to something and talked, and everything would have been good. But Stretch died before they could even get to that. They only lived a solid year after the quad shooting. And when Pac got with with Death Row, he didn't even live a year. He didn't live one year from the time Suge got him out to making all of that music. He didn't live an entire year. Not one. It is still absolutely amazing to me that officially both, all three of these murders are unsolved. Officially. Police has never arrested anybody for Tupac's murder. Never arrested anybody for Biggie's murder and never arrested anybody for Randy Stretch Walker's murder. They died in three years back to back. 95, 96, 97. And nobody has ever been arrested. Here we are, 2019, and people who are not even around, not part of the industry, not even affiliated in those days or talking about dead people like they know. Talking about dead people. First, it was Biggie set them up. Remember that? Remember y'all was on that? Their people was on that. Biggie did that. Biggie, Biggie deserved to get killed because what he did to Tupac. Now, it ain't Biggie no more. It's stretched now. 
So Biggie couldn't defend himself. So everybody that loved Big, Puff, all them, D-Rock, all them had to step up and was like, C's was like, what fuck y'all talking about? Biggie's the one to put the guns in his pocket that Pac had on him and walked him past the cops. Fuck you talking about? Biggie had no idea that shit was getting ready to happen. It was up in there recording with Junior Mafia shit. So you can't fuck with Big no more because he's one of the greats. So you have to immortalize Big. So some dude that has no credibility, no receipts at all, brings Stretch's name up like niggas had mad cell phones and pages. Like he got the pages, he got the DMs. Which we ain't even doing those days. Nothing to DM because nobody was on social media. Telling you this shit and you soak it up. And you reflect it on his family. And you reflect it on me because I am his family. That shit to me sounds absolutely, utterly ridiculous. Re-fucking-diculous. And if you believe that dumb shit, then... I got a plot of land right here on Lakefront that I'll sell to you for cheap. Lake Shore, I mean, Lake Shore Drive here in Chicago. That I, I give it to you for cheap. Because you got to be out of your damn bird-ass mind to even be buying into that, man. Nah, the brothers loved each other. Towards the end of their lives, they had problems. But at the end of the day, as everybody likes to say, at the end of the day, they loved each other. And that's the honest to God's truth. And may their souls rest in eternal peace. Stretch, Pac, Biggie, I'm on you till I join you. I loved y'all so much, man. And I hope that this finally puts this stupid shit to rest. All right? Now, if I'm wrong, then somebody please show me concrete proof that I'm wrong. Or let me hear a taped phone call that wasn't doctored. If I'm wrong, I'll stand up and admit that I was wrong. I'll be super disappointed and stretched, but I don't think I'm wrong. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. I think when somebody's trying to sell something, they'll say anything that got their attention. All right? That's part two. There's no other part to it. Anything else you want to know, you're going to have to wait till I put the book out. And I'm not trashing nobody. I'm telling the truth. Y'all keep God first. Everything else will fall into place. I'll talk at you, with you, to you, and about your ass next Monday. Be good if you can. Be good. Be careful if you can. Be careful. Name your baby Randy Tupac Notorious B.I.G. Christopher. (laughs) Till next time we ride out, slide out, and laugh out loud together. Me, Ed Lover, Kimana Paulus. Krista Hayes, A. King, and of course, Combat Jack saying God bless each and every one of y'all. Thank y'all for tuning us in and not turning us out. Remember, I always try to give you the good shit and not the bullshit. Just come on, son, the podcast. Loudspeakers Network. Now, kill that side. The fuck out of here with that bullshit. I'm gone. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Krista Hayes and Kimana Paulus in downtown Chicago. This is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.